Welcome to the Bella Sad Bellum Podcast, the podcast for military-connected women, bringing messages of encouragement, humor, and practical how-to on topics that impact their lives most, equipping them to lead in the service and in the home with grace and wisdom. We care deeply about sharing accurate, timely, and relevant information with our listeners, but neither we nor our guests have a monopoly on truth and everyone's military experience is unique. The views expressed in any of our content, written or audio, do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, policy, or view. Hi everyone, and welcome back. This is the Bellis Ad Bellum Podcast, and I'm Julie. And I'm Bernadette, and we're together, by we the way. We are together, so this could turn out to be really crazy and fun because we're co-located doesn't happen often but or it could be we get really distracted and we can't stay on topic at all or we might fall asleep because this is the first vacation we've had with no children for like ever i slept in this morning so i'm feeling pretty good on sleep all right so julie has no excuse but i might pass out so if it's just julie talking for a while (laughs) uh today we are introducing a new episode format that will hopefully become a recurring episode type and it's designed to be much shorter than our detailed in-depth content or interview episodes. And it is called a segment episode. Segments! Uh, Maybe we will come up with a clever name so you can find and identify uh, episodes in the episode list. If you can think of a clever name, let us know. Right now we don't have one. Yeah, but we do have names for the types of segments, which we'll tell you in a minute, and they're awesome. They are. Um, But the... Like Julie said, the format of a segment episode is going to be a shorter, limited conversation in like one or two or more topic areas. And that's going to allow us to have some more like brief to the point conversations about large topics that we can't really cover or break down into a multi-part miniseries like we did with our deployment series. Right. So for example, female leadership, huge topic. Big one. Whole books written about that topic. And we couldn't possibly tackle that topic in one episode or really even a mini-series. Yeah, that's a whole podcast, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. Probably a, a couple different probably, types of podcasts. Yeah. But we would like to discuss elements of it or research about it or articles demonstrating it or the lack of it in shorter snippets on a recurring basis. Another example might be the topic of situational awareness. Obviously, we are not a news agency. And there is so much going on in the world that talking about political, military, or world events is just not feasible and not really the purpose of our show. But I, Julie, think it's especially important for Bellas to know what's going on in the world because world events drive U.S. military activity. And so we might also look at current events from a domestic perspective, like what laws that impact military pay and benefits are making their way through the legislative process and how that might impact Arbellus. So those are two examples of what the intent behind segments is. Yep. But the overall gist is uh, breaking it down, making smaller episodes, smaller snippets, segments, if you will, right? And, uh, And trying to cover a larger military topic our larger related topic over, you know, a course of a long period of time. So today we're going to introduce a number of segment ideas. Uh, these are some samples of what might come, and you can expect segments to drop between our larger content episodes, the bigger beefy ones. And there might be some back to back if that's just kind of how life is going yeah. for us, yeah. because sometimes it is how life goes for Yeah, us. a lot of times. So let's get to segments. Today we'll be introducing five different segments, but we have a few more in the works, but 
These are the ones that we're going to talk about today. Ask Us Anything, Tales from the Front, Bell Int, Bellosaurus Rex. Mm, my personal favorite. Yeah, that, yeah. And a few of our favorite things. And the names of some of those will change, but the content is, the, the intent is probably not going to change. All right, so segments. First up, the Ask Us Anything segment idea. The intent here is for listeners to, quote unquote, ask us anything. anything. <laughs> and we will use a segment to respond to those questions. So a big key here is audience participation. So if you're listening, we'd really love to hear your questions. Even if it's just an area where maybe you don't truly have a question for yourself, but you might think there's a question that you could ask that we should answer for the larger community. That'd be awesome too. So you can email questions to us at bellusadbellum at gmail.com, or you can use Facebook Messenger and message our Bellas Ad Bellum profile. Uh, or if you happen to know us personally, you can, of course, shoot us an email or text or phone call. Yeah. So our first ever question in the Ask Us Anything segment, and it is, in my opinion, a doozy. It is. An anonymous listener asks, I'm a mom and a professional working woman. I am responsible for managing and running our household, and I do most of the child rearing while I'm also trying to keep my professional career alive. Hmm. My husband is active duty and thus also a working professional, and a lot is expected of him as a military member between the workday, fitness, PME, volunteering, etc. I am a working professional with a responsibility to an employer just like he is, but I feel that the military expects me, as the non-military member, to carry any and all extra load caused by his choice to serve. I understand serving in the military is a choice he and we freely made, but I really struggle to keep a professional career afloat given that we have a family and the military expects so much of my husband. Why does the military not seem to understand work-life balance? Um, I'm going to extend that to spouse work-life balance as well since she's talking about being a professional working woman. Are the expectations the same for female service members? Okay, so here's my thoughts on that question. Uh, Yes, first of all, it is the same for female service members, uh, being one myself. Yes, I would confidently say, at least for me, yes, the expectations are the same. And just my initial thoughts, I think that the military, at least thus far, has really been built around a a single service member or one member serving with a non-professional spouse, and that kind of transcends male or female. It's been built around the military member being able to spend really as much time as needed at work for the sake of the mission. And if there's a relationship or children or other things, the other person or an other person really has to absorb the remaining burden. Most of the people I work with, if they have kids uh, or a family, they, they rarely talk about having to leave work early or come in late because of kids or household issues. Especially for men, but also for women, because... There seems to be an expectation that the odd hours and the total commitment to the mission is just part of military service. And usually, if it's a married couple, the spouse has to pick up all the slack. Hmm. Uh, And so that may be why, you know, many spouses say, quote unquote, I serve too, because they do. It seems to me that there's an expectation that they pick up all the slack when that that happens. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talk about work-life balance, but in reality... The decision space to actually make a work-life balance is on the military member. It's not something the military is going to drive for you. Right. And so just to clarify, when you talk about the decision space is entirely on the member, you mean 
the decisions about how to execute work-life balance, yes. where you're going to strike that balance. That's yes. something that is up to the member and the military expects you to make that prioritization and they're not going to really help you or tell you what's best. That's just like all on you. Right. And so there's a lot of talk about the importance of work-life balance. There's a lot of talk about resilience, you know, mental fitness, physical fitness, you know, to fight a lot of those different things. But the decisions are totally up to you as the member. And in an competitive environment, um, you know, say a member chooses to prioritize their family or take care of PT or fill in the blank, right, over extra office hours, their competitive edge might actually suffer. And so, for example, I work an eight-hour day. Uh, my husband and I carpool. And so I can't come in early and I can't stay late unless we want to get another car or I ride my bicycle or <laughs> you name another option. <laughs> but we carpool and I, we work an eight-hour day. And so uh, some military, I mean, that's that's a short day for a lot of the people that I know. And that's a short day compared to other jobs I've worked. There's an expectation usually of a 10 to 12 hour day most places. And most people would say PT before work or PT after work. And so if I do that, I also have little kids. If I do PT in the morning, that means my husband has to bear the burden of family life in the morning all on his own. Or if I choose to PT in the evening, means my husband has to bear the burden of family life in the evening on his own. Well, let me flip that scenario too from from my situation if my husband chooses to pt outside of work hours that means i'm doing extra child care or doing an extra hour or so of child care on my own where i would normally expect him you know to be coming home for dinner around that time so it I think yeah it so both. it's it's both both genders right so my husband uh, in that situation right he's picking up the slack on either end of that but but he also works a demanding eight hour day so just like our, our write-in anonymous person, if you're trying to balance a professional life or your, your spouse is trying to balance a professional life as well, that's placing extra burden on someone who's also working or trying to manage professional space. So uh, I place extra burden on my husband who's also trying to manage his professional life. I almost never see my kids and all of that so that I can be fit to fight and competitive to remain in the force. Which gets back to the fact that work-life balance is really on the member to manage. Uh, and the fact is, if I'm disciplined enough to try and be present for my kids and maintain my fitness, there's every chance in the world that I might not be able to work as many hours as my counterparts, and I may suffer in the competitive space as a result of that. So what would you say in response to people that would tell you to, you know, just kind of suck it up and it was your choice to have children? Uh, it is absolutely right. So it, it was my choice to have children. And I know many people who would say to suck it up. And that, that really just ties back to the idea that if I need to suck it up and take the time out of hide somewhere else, uh, I need to take the time out of hide for fitness or work hour day or work day or whatever, that means that my children and my spouse have to suck it up as well in turn. Hmm. Uh, and so while it was my choice to do that, uh, that also means that now my choice impacts my family in a way that I may not like. And so the work-life balance shifts in the direction of work and my quote-unquote life, <laughs> which sounds terrible, but my family life will then suffer. Mm. So the question has to be asked, considering all of this with the extreme difficulty of finding a balance between work and family that works for everybody, can a professional woman really have it all? It's, it's not a popular question, 
And my my answer to that question is definitely not a popular answer, but I can at least say that I feel that my answer is supported by what is true in my own life. So I have my answer, but what's yours? My answer is no, not all at once. I think you definitely have to pick an area of life that you want to give your attention to and give it all that attention. Uh, and then you have to constantly reshuffle the deck of priorities. Yeah, same here. I, I don't think she she can. She can't. She can't have everything she wants all at the same time. All the time. Right. So she can have everything she wants in one area for a limited period of time. But to really balance it, she's probably going to have to keep reshuffling priorities. Uh, But then I don't think a guy can necessarily have everything either. Yeah. Um, I I think that that is true. I think that applies equally to boys. Boys. (laughs) I think that applies equally to men and women. I, I don't think either one can have it all all the time. Yeah. So maybe the best we can do is maximize one area of our lives for a short time and just kind of hope the others the other areas don't break in the meantime so i I had a mentor explain a really great or provide a really great metaphor for balance Mm, to me once before so when i was younger i used to think of balance you know people would say well you just have to balance and i think of like the scales of justice holding the scales and like you're equalizing the two plates yeah. Or you're walking on a balance beam holding a, a pole and you're trying to make it equal on both sides. And so I used to think that very much the same thing or that I had I had a plate uh, and the plate had a bunch of balls on it and that balance in life was keeping that plate even and steady so that all the balls were holding still and, yeah. and I was, you know, paying attention to all of them and not letting anything drop off. And this great mentor of mine said that that is not what balance is. Balance is knowing when that plate has tipped too far in one direction and something needs your attention. And yeah, so balance is not to roll off. keeping it all flat. Balance is constantly shifting your hands and the way that you hold the plate in order to keep certain areas or certain balls from tipping off. So in the case of work-life balance or fitness or whatever, there's going to probably be a time in your life or... I can use my own life as an example, right? There are times in my life where my family has had to take more priority than my work. And so I I need to give my family more time, and that means a shorter day than usual. And so that for me right now is the case. And so I'm giving my family time, and my, my work is not necessarily suffering, but it's not getting my best. And so there's going there, that ball of work is starting to roll towards the point where it may drop off. And eventually I'm going to have to surge and give that work more attention, which means my family life will then probably suffer some as a result. Uh, And that's true of not just work and family that works for the fitness ball and the education ball and a number of other balls, a hobby ball, right? There's a lot of different balls that can go on that plate and you may need to give your fitness more time And that will cause other balls to suffer. You may need to surge and give the mission, you know, when you're in command, for ladies who are in command, or if you're, you know, a superintendent or a fursher, you may need to give lots of time to work. And as a result, your family life or your mental fitness or certain other areas of your life suffer because that's just what's demanded of, of you at that position. But eventually you have to balance those scales back out by realizing that your family ball is about to fall off or another ball is about to fall off and you get to pay more attention to it. So yeah. I found that that balance idea was really helpful to me for how to visualize Uh prioritization. And I think that ties back well to our anonymous writer of paying attention back. Circling back to that question that's talking about her spouse's work-life balance uh, and how 
his choice of balance has maybe impacted her ability to prioritize certain things. I, I guess that just comes down to conversation. You know, like if if you guys are both trying to balance separate priorities and somebody else's choice is affecting your choices or leaving you without a choice and now you're forced into a position where you don't have the ability to prioritize because you have to pick up that extra slack. I don't know, I guess... That's just a conversation that you have to have about, hey, for me this week, the priority needs to be blank. And that's going to mean that I can't do these things. And so I really need you for this week to help pick up that slack. And then, you know, next week. Yep. Constantly um, shift the balls around uh, and and really got to work with your, your partner as best you can. Okay, so now that we've talked about how it's not possible for female leaders or professional women to have it all, all the time, let's talk about some women who are, or who appear to be, or who are maybe getting pretty darn close to having it all, <laughs> uh, or, or maybe they're not. So this segment is called Bellasaurus, Bellasaurus Rex, Rex, which yeah. is my favorite title it was ever. Funny. Yeah, it was deliberate. Uh, Rex is the Latin word for king, as you well know. Yeah, of course, everybody knows their Latin. Yeah, obviously. And I know that I know I know that that is the masculine form of that word. And technically, we should be using the feminine version. We're not going to call this Bellasaurus Regina. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We just really liked the way Bellasaurus Rex sounded. If we come up with a more clever fitting name which we won't we probably won't yeah so we're probably not going to change the title of this segment the meaning we're trying to capture with this name is beautiful badass leader leader. rar okay rar they're just gonna velociraptor through the page and through the podcast and inspire you to greatness okay all right Intent here is to highlight a piece of research or an article about female leadership or, like Julia said, you know, somebody from the real world who's killing it or coming close to killing it, who's failing and providing some lessons learned, uh, or maybe they've, they're succeeding, or maybe she stands out as a model to follow. For our example in this category today, we have an article about Lindsey Vaughn, uh, you know, the highly decorated Olympic skier, and she announced her retirement recently following some injuries. And so our source article was published by USA Today on February 1st, and we'll provide the link in the show notes. But uh, first, I just want to pull out a few key lines. So from the article, in social media posts Friday morning, Vaughn wrote that she has finally accepted that a string of injuries will prevent her from continuing to compete. The past two weeks have been some of the most emotionally challenging days of my life, Vaughn wrote. I'm struggling with the reality of what my body is telling me versus what my mind and heart believe I'm capable of. The unfortunate reality is my mind and body are not on the same page. Despite extensive therapy, training, and a knee brace, I'm not able to make the turns necessary to compete in the way I know I can, she wrote. My body is broken beyond repair, and it isn't letting me have the final season I dreamed of. My body is screaming at me to stop, and it's time for me to listen. So why I liked this article for our Bellosaurus Rex segment here is a lady who was the best in the business, yeah. really succeeding in her professional career. Phenomenal athlete. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and gorgeous. Just, I mean, you know, just saying. And she is recognizing that for her right now, an appropriate work-life balance means she can't do the work that she loves. 
Obviously, that's not going to be a direct correlation for many of our Bellas. I don't think any of us, Bernadette, are you an Olympian? I'm not an Olympian. I'm not, I'm not, nope. not Olympians. But maybe there are some ladies Olympic out there. sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> if they had a category for that, we would be competitive. Yep, I'd be for sure. Uh, so maybe there are some ladies out there who are facing medical issues. Uh, maybe you see a medical board in your future. Or as a civilian spouse, maybe your medical issues have limited your family's assignment options and by extension your spouse's career. But it doesn't have to be about physical limitations yeah, either. Medical. I think what Lindsay Vaughn is exemplifying here is the self-awareness to recognize when pursuing her work priorities are hurting other areas of her life and that trade-off or the prioritization she had in her life is not best for her anymore. So going back to the metaphor about the plate with the the balls on it, it's tipped too far in one direction and she's going to have to reprioritize. And I further like, I've, this is I think my favorite part of, of her posts, I further like that she admits that she is not happy about the decision that she knows yeah. is best for her. She She's not thrilled. Uh, uh, the struggle is real, right? Yeah, yeah. The decision to retire is inescapable, but she's still sad about having to hang up her sports career. She knows it's the best thing that doesn't make her happy. And so what I take from that is comfort that it's okay to struggle with letting some of your priorities in life go. It's okay to be sad that you're deprioritizing things that are meaningful to you and, mm-hmm. and make you happy. But ultimately, you have to be strong enough to do that thing that is best for you, even if you don't like it. So Lindsay Vaughn still had the self-respect, the self-confidence, the self-awareness, yep. all of those things to see that this difficult and sad decision was still the best decision for her. She had the courage to, to do that difficult thing. Yep. And we, I we applaud her for that. Yeah, I hope that that knowing that she did the right thing even if it was difficult at the time but that she listened to her body and and made that difficult decision. Uh, I hope that brings her some peace when the when the time is right. Yep. And we hope that that encourages our bellas who may be facing some difficult decisions or who may be, you know, listening to that small voice or something that's going on for you uh, that may be encouraging you to consider a decision that's hard. Listen to that. Uh-huh. If Lindsay Vaughn can do it, <laughs> so can you. Yeah, yeah that's maybe the opposite but direction. That's not quite right because <sighs> Lindsay Vaughn can do Olympic skiing. And yeah, I definitely can. cannot. So, yeah, so yeah, never. Uh, okay, on to our next segment, which we are temporarily calling Bell Int, which is short for Bellus Intelligence. Yep. So still we're not, working on the yeah, exact. We're not, we're not so sure on that, but it's got potential. Uh, so if you can think of a different way to to work the Bella's intelligence part Hmm. in the news bit. But anyways, the gist of this one is that we will uh, share news articles or things that impact what's going on in day-to-day life. That could be a number of things. Yeah, geopolitical events, domestic politics that affect military, very specifically focused on, you know, the impact to our Bella's, not just any story that we feel like reporting. But it might actually be... Any story that we feel like reporting as well. <laughs> because that's what mine is today. Okay. As an example of that. So uh, from Fort Bliss, Texas, in our Army brethren. It's Army. I'm going joint today. Okay. Um, the 1st Armored Division Combat Aviation Brigade has migrated to electronic flight bags. I feel like, didn't the Air Force do that 
like they did a that while years ago, ago, I think. But okay. uh, this, that's why, you know, this might seem like old hat to our Air Force listeners. Oh, this is a big step for the Army. In the past, to go fly, air crew had to carry a large number of publications, a bunch of paper documents covering everything from their flight path to their comm frequencies to policies. Yeah, your knee board and Technical documentation, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and the paper documents had to be updated and change management. Uh, or for large publications, they had to be reprinted and distributed. Anyway, so the move to electronic flight bags places almost all of that documentation on an iPad, and that can be updated instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, anyways, that's the idea. <laughs> uh, and so, in addition to improving the currency and the swiftness of aircrew-relevant data distribution, the change to digital is also intended to be a cost savings measure over time. So, like I said, this is not necessarily something that's directly relevant to our Bellas who are listening, but this did happen for the Air Force a while back, and mm-hmm. I do think as we move into digital publications and whatnot, this is something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. There are a number of things that come along with this. Digital pubs increases the amount of data that's present and available to those who are flying, but it also provides new avenues for mm-hmm. cyber attacks mm-hmm. or... You know, out of date things or or connectivity. Bandwidth you know, your battery issues. dies oh uh, on your your flight pub, and you're you're down with all. Of- and anyway, so um, lots of things going on there, and that's not necessarily relevant to anything that you guys have going on day to day. But I do think that as the services move more and more to digital, that's something to keep abreast of. So I uh, just wanted to share that, I guess, for awareness. And I would really like to think that the army worked with the navy i'm sorry not the navy i'm i'm going way joint Super i would joint. really like to think that the army talked difficult. with the air force about hey how did you implement this what is working what didn't work what hiccups did you have i would like to think that that happened because i know that some flying communities in the air force have really got electric electronic flight books down pat and, and they've worked out a really good system. And other communities, other platforms have not. And I'd like to think that that learning has been passed on to the Army. But... Yep. But... <laughs> so this is this is coming. This is coming to our air crew guys or air crew folks across all services. That's the way it's going. Uh, and I think that, that we're going to see that continue to pervade off of, across a number of different industries. So yeah. that's our... That's our my submission for Bella's Intel. Right. And so today. mine is going to... My submission is kind of going to feed off of a similar theme as the the vulnerabilities cyber connectivity aspect of Ooh. Bernadette's story. So after a discussion with my husband about my original two candidates for this story, I decided to go with the one that was maybe less obviously related to US military life on the surface at least. <laughs> so my two possible subjects were the withdrawal of the U.S. from the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, or the INF Treaty. And wow. the other submission was the Department of Justice indictment of Huawei executives on multiple charges. Uh, and so I really enjoy talking about advanced deterrence concepts. And on the surface, the end of this one particular U.S.-Russia nuclear treaty seemed to me to have more of a direct military impact but my husband talked me into going with the Huawei story because it might actually have more impact on the personal lives of our Bellas. Um, I'm hooked. You got me. Okay, so let me explain how. 
Uh, you may have heard recently, uh, December actually, that the U.S. requested that Canada extradite a Chinese citizen to the U.S. for prosecution on federal charges. Strange. Yeah, that seems odd, right? What's the story there? So the Chinese citizen in question is Meng Wanshu, the daughter of the founder of the Chinese telecommunications company Huawei, mm. and she is the chief financial officer for Huawei herself. So the Department of Justice had issued a warrant for her arrest several months ago following an indictment on several counts, including bank fraud and violating sanctions against Iran. Huawei has been accused of wire fraud, stealing intellectual property from the U.S., stealing trade secrets, and obstructing justice. Sketchy. (laughs) But the defense lawyer for Meng Wanshu cut right to the heart of the matter in a press conference on the 5th of February when he described the case as remarkably political. That is, the U.S. has long had concerns about Huawei's predatory business practices, their level of access to U.S. and foreign telecommunications infrastructure, and the nexus of all those things with Huawei's connection to the Chinese government. So any one of those things taken individually might not be too much of a concern, but the fact that Huawei has connections to the Chinese government, um, has an unprecedented level of access to U.S. and foreign telecommunications infrastructure, and they've got these predatory business practices, that nexus is the concern. So security officials have expressed concerns that Huawei definitely has the ability to and may also have the intent to, at the request of the Chinese government, uh, to create backdoors into critical communications, telecommunications nodes and equipment, which will enhance the Chinese government's ability to spy on and steal information from the U.S. government, U.S. businesses, and U.S. persons. So, why do you care? I've never heard of Huawei. I don't know who Meng Wanshu is. I've, I've actually heard of Huawei. Yeah, it's... Right, you probably They're actually... They're a cell phone company. Exactly. Don't you, buy them. You have probably heard of Huawei because pretty much everything that is 5G is almost exclusively Huawei. If you Google them, you make sure you them. Google H-U-A-W-E-I because yes. Huawei doesn't sound like it's spelled that way. Yes, it's H-U-A-W-E-I. And again, like we oh, were mentioning... E-I, right. E-I. That's what I meant. Right, yeah. And like we were mentioning, pretty much anything that is 5G is going to be Huawei produced. So as the world is moving towards 5G, we are moving into more and more dependence on Huawei. So you personally, almost certainly, own a piece of equipment that has a piece of Huawei technology in it, or your technology connects to something that is produced by Huawei. Almost certainly. I won't say in 100% of the cases, but probably. You can't do much about that. I'm not telling you to go out and <laughs> burn your laptop or unplug everything. Yeah, don't burn your laptop. Yeah, that's it's not it's not really practical. But equal to my you'll have to replace it and it's probably going to be Huawei as well. <laughs> right. Probably more so probably I mean, more sophisticated the, Huawei. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so equal to my passion about deterrence theory actually is my passion about network and online security and I think Bernadette or at least her husband is with me on that. Mm. He's not a big security buff, but he definitely likes the internet. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So all I'm saying is definitely don't buy a Huawei laptop, tablet, or phone. They do make phones. Huawei makes phones. They do. I know that. And yeah. And don't. So definitely don't buy a Huawei phone. But also be smart about your online and network security. And so this kind of goes back to... We'll do a future episode on that. We'll do lots of episodes on that. And you get them 
quarterly with your security officer. Yes. Right. So getting with your security officer, I think that recommendation for now is sufficient. That is how in a kind of complicated fashion, my submission overlaps with Bernadette's about our increasing reliance on digital. network infrastructure yep. yeah, and, and digital tools and how along with that increased ability, those great tools that provide us more capability. They also have vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. And we have a, an increasing responsibility to use them wisely. And the Air Force has gone that way with a lot of their cyber work, but we're going to talk about that a different time because that's not what this segment episode thing no. is going to be about. No. So that was the in the news or bell int segment. So we mentioned in the intro that we would talk about Tales from the Front, but I'm going to say something about that real quickly. Tales from the Front is meant to be a segment where we will share with the group something from one of our listeners that either resonated with them or one of our listeners tried something we suggested or heard something we suggested or had an experience that connects with some of our content, and they write to us about that. We didn't get any submissions for that, so you can help us out with that next time. Yes. <laughs> uh, but we don't have anything for Tales from the Front just yet, but that's what that segment is intended to be. Yeah, if you have feedback about something you heard, or, hey, if you just want to tell us your story and Yeah, locker use room it, story. Yeah, provide the community some encouragement. Hey, I just got back from a deployment. I was separated from my kids, but, you know, I made it work, and you can too, kind of building that community and building encouragement within our community for each other is something that we want to do with this podcast. And so you can help us do that by sharing your tale from the front. You know, you're out there doing that work. Tell us. Hacking the mish. <laughs> okay. I just said that. Yeah. All right. Uh, our final segment is called A Few of Our Favorite Things. And I straight definitely. Straight out of the sound of music. Straight out of the sound of music. That was That's the intent. My five-year-old's favorite movie uh so in this segment we're looking to share battle tried ops tested tips tricks or life hacks for military woman life so future segments oh, might be from the perspective hmm? it's gonna be good yeah, I have yeah a good one for you guys okay yes future segments might be from the perspective of a military lady who's wearing the uniform or it might be from the perspective of a civilian spouse who's leading at home or it might be a mom hack that's relevant to military-affiliated ladies, whether they're wearing the uniform or not. So for our first edition, we're going to have a military woman in uniform geek out moment for this segment by talking about one of our favorite hacks, the 2009 OPR-EPR space hack. Bernadette. I'm going to talk about that, but we do say this is a few of our favorite things, and that may make you think that it's just ours, like Julie's and mine. This could be your favorite things, too, Ooh, and so you can yes. always send us your favorite things and be like, hey, this is definitely a favorite thing. You need to make it one of your favorite things, yeah, and I love favorite we'll change things. the note a little bit. We'll, we'll say today we are going to be featuring a few of your, your favorite, favorite things. things. Anyway, so uh, a trick I just recently learned. So I'm a two-time exec, and so I can't believe I didn't know this before. <laughs> but a trick I recently learned from the front office and from lots of time handcrafting and fine-tuning performance reports. If you need extra space on an EPR or an OPR, you have your line written and you need to put like one character somewhere. Mm. Or you, you've tried changing the and to an ampersand and it just doesn't quite get you the space that you need. Open a Microsoft Word document, type in 2009, 2009, then highlight that, highlight the 2009, 
and push Alt-X. When you do that, it will change the 2009 into a half of a space. So there's a standard space size. That changes it into a half space. And when you use the half space, it looks like a whole space. It's close enough to a whole space that you can't tell you the can't difference. You can't tell. You can't tell the difference. Uh, and so once you've done that, it'll give you a half space, and the half space will be highlighted. So just Control-C, right, or copy that half space. And then on any of your EPR and OPR lines, paste the half space in between all your words, and you will gain a character to two characters on your line. This works on 1206s. This works PRFs. on, yeah, PRFs. PDFs. Uh, anything that's a PDF? Anything that's a PDF. Uh, well, I mean, it may work in a lot of places. I mean, it works in uh, Word docs, obviously, as well. But specifically for performance reports, this gains you several characters. And I didn't know this, and my mind was, like, blown. Well, yeah. And so now it is one of my favorite things. You know, I, I'm a one-time... That one may be kind of sad, but... but I'm yeah. a one-time exec, and I never knew that. But in my defense, back when I was editing PRFs, 1206s, OPRs, EPRs, we weren't using... PDFs. We were still using the XML IBM files, form X- viewer. XFDL. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if it works the same. Oh, I'm sure it did because wow. it's a half space, yeah, and so I bet it worked anywhere. And wow. so, little known now fact. Now you know. Now you know, and this should just permeate out. And then everybody will know, and then they're going to change the rules for writing OPRs and EPRs. Yeah, <laughs> but don't rain on my hack just yet. Yeah, it'll, still be, it'll, be, it'll take a couple of years. What's your favorite thing, Jules? So my favorite thing is for civilian listeners who will probably never have to worry about spacing in a performance report or an award write-up, but we do want to keep this segment related to military life because there are already a lot of parenting podcasts and blogs out there that can help you hack mom life. So... One of my favorite parenting tips applicable to military life is movable wall growth charts. So did you get measured by your parents growing up? Like as you as you were getting taller, they would measure you against a door frame or... No, a... my parents didn't care. <laughs> there were too many of us. <laughs> they probably, I mean, they would have just painted over it probably. Well, and in my family... Some people do though. My sister and I got measured as we were growing up, but that was in a house that we moved away from because my dad was military. And so we lost, you know, all of those measurements. Eh, some sentimental value, I guess. Probably. It depends. I yeah. don't think my parents were sentimental in that way. Well, so if you are sentimental and you do want to measure your yeah. kids and you maybe don't want to lose that forever, movable wall growth charts. With my kids, I made them wall growth charts that matched the theme of their room and it was all on one board or in my daughter's case, it was a piece of fabric. And so my oldest has a star astronaut space themed growth chart. And so I actually found really cute vinyl appliques for a wall growth chart on Etsy and so normally the intent is that you apply that vinyl applique to just straight to the drywall wall, you know, wherever you want it. But but then you don't really get to move that. So that kind of defeats the purpose for us. So what I did is I put it on about a one eighth inch thick piece of plywood with a smooth finished surface. I painted it. You could stain it. You could put varnish on it or you could leave it unfinished. I think probably vinyl appliques may stick better to an unfinished wood than varnish, but definitely the varnish will hold up to kids and moves better. So then I applied the appliques to that board and then every year we use a chalk marker to mark his growth and it has moved two duty locations with us so far and I use those 3M command 
uh, remove adhesive strips, you know, the ones yeah, that are like no, Velcro. No. That's that's like a ones they sell at Target. Standing military hack. That Those is things a life hack. are amazing. Yeah, plus life you hack. Put, you could plus you could put hooks on them. I attached the board to the wall using those so they didn't have to put holes in the wall. Although I did use one of those to hang a butterfly above the bed of my daughter and it like fell on her when uh, she was sleeping. Yeah, you do have to be but careful. But it was little. And I have heard people who live in military housing talk about like if it's a very textured wall, yeah. it won't hold very well. So we're not promising that it works in every situation, but you know, it's usually my go-to. Like that's I mean, She's only 18 months. We won't know until the SAT <laughs> scores come out whether or not that actually damaged her. Yeah. For my middle kiddo, I found a pre-made growth chart that, you know, was already completely put together. They already had the board. They had already finished it. They had already decorated it with this forest deer wood theme. Since it was a finished product and it didn't require any work or creativity on my part, that's great if you're not a particularly creative person, but it was more expensive. And I searched for that on Etsy and it took actually a lot of searching. So if if you don't have a lot of time, that's another downside of that particular movable growth chart. So my daughter's is actually my favorite because it's compact and it's easy to move. I made basically a canvas scroll piece of canvas. It's six feet long by about one and a half feet wide with a dowel at the top for hanging it up by and then a dowel at the bottom to give it weight so that it hangs well. And then you know, cute decorative drawer pulls on the ends of the dowels to uh, add weight and to keep the fabric from slipping off. And then for every yearly measurement, I'll be sewing little fabric flowers or bows or big decorative buttons or something at that height on the chart. And I really like that one because I can take it down and roll it up yeah. and it'll be a lot easier to move than my boys' six foot long non-collapsible boards. But anyway, that's my military mom life hack, one way of preserving memories even when you move every two years. And it also provides some consistency to my kids' lives, despite all the different rooms they may live in. Yeah, we're in a brand new house again, but look, it's, you know, the same theme as your last room, and look, there's your growth chart up on the wall, yeah. and so it's okay, we'll settle in. And maybe I'll provide some pictures as examples or for inspiration in the show notes, although, <laughs> please note... I am Polish, not a perfectionist. And that means I'm satisfied with an 80% solution or good enough. And since I'm not super crafty, sometimes my projects end up looking kind of crappy. I think your projects end up looking pretty great. As long as you don't get up on top of it. Specifically, the shape of Greenland on maybe a big girl's growth chart does not look like Greenland. And my I son... Greenland on your growth chart? Hers is super cute. I fabric painted using stencils all the continents, major land masses, islands of the world in kind of a vertical format. Then on the side, it has painted, oh, the places she'll grow. Because as a military girl, she's going to move a lot of places and she's going to grow in all those places. So it's a twist on that Dr. Seuss, oh, the places you'll go. And she's going to tell. That's why it's Greenland. And that introduces segments, at least segment ideas we have so far. We would really, really like to hear from you, but more importantly, we need to hear from you yes. for some of those. Yeah, we definitely would like to hear from you. So uh, if you have ideas, if you have anything that might contribute to those segment concepts that we introduced, um, if you have a leadership story that you'd like to share or you have feedback from something you've heard or something that you think would encourage or might be relevant, please send us that. Please. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, if you have any questions that keep pestering you, or if they don't really pester you, they're just something you thought you might ask, 
please send us that for our Ask Us Anything segment, of mm-hmm. course, as well. And if you have any pro tips that you want to share for a few of our favorite things, please tell us about those, too. Yeah, we, so we, we need those tips. I need those tips. Yeah, and, and we're always open to feedback. We're always open to new ideas. So if you have anything that you think might make a great segment type, we'd be happy to hear about that as well. So we're growing. We're listening. We're, we're trying to constantly tailor our messages and approach for what works for you and for us. So mm, Absolutely. And so you can email us, again, just one more time to repeat, you can email us bellus at bellum at gmail.com or you can message our Facebook bellus at bellum profile account. Yeah. Uh, and so next time, I'm not sure whether we'll have a content episode or a segment next time, but next time we will most certainly not be co-located again. We'll be doing the uh, distance conversations next time. But we also will not be talking about deployments. So, Which is good. We're We're... We're full. Yeah. We're yeah. happy to have moved on from that. So, so I think we're going to go probably um, have a glass of wine and mm. sit in the hot, hot tub. tub. Hot tub. Yep. We're going to go to the hot tub. Yes. Yeah. And so in the meantime, mm-hmm. let us to the battle. Thanks for listening to the Bella Said Bellum podcast. You can find notes or resources related to this topic on our social media community. Check us out, like, follow, or subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bellis at Bellum. Join us for our next episode, and in the meantime, let us to the battle. We take great care to seek out subject matter experts who are knowledgeable and experienced in their fields to be guests. However, everyone's military experience is unique, and the views of our guests and our hosts do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, view, or policy. Content is provided for informational purposes only, and we make no claim as representation of official sources. 